Welcome to Every Dimension. This podcast is created for those buying and selling design. Our aim is to explore how to demand more from design and how to deliver it, as we all need to keep growing brands when tomorrow's challenges and opportunities come in every dimension. Every Dimension is created by the Agency Path and hosted by me, a founder, Thomas Herman. Welcome to another episode of Every Dimension, Demand More from Design. This time we are joined by Gareth Turner. Gareth is a founder of Big Black Door, a strategic marketing consultancy, which believes that when it comes to growing brands, simpler is better. Before that, though, he was head of marketing at Weetabix, where he oversaw the long-term brand strategy for the nation's favorite cereal. And he's got over 25 years experience working within food and drinks brands like John Smith's, Bulmer's, Lurpak and Arla in local and global roles. So welcome, uh, welcome, Gareth. Before we get into the uh, the juicy questions, we like to start with a few kind of uh, A or B quickfire questions. Are you OK with that? Yeah, bring it on. Cool. So coffee or tea? I'm full Ted Lasso on this coffee all the way. Nice. <laughs> Cheese or chocolate? Cheese, obviously. Nice. Dairy background. <laughs> Beer or wine? Yeah, I'm not so sure about that. Uh, I'm going to say both have their occasion. <laughs> I'm not going to choose between my two favourite children. No, no, no. Fair enough, fair enough. Mountains or beach? Beach. Easy? Yep. I think I, I think I saw you post that you were scared of heights in the football stadium once. Is that right? Well, if you've ever been to Newcastle United, uh, it's not, I'm not scared of heights, but holy macaroni! <laughs> it's, if you, I've, I've literally been on the back row of the of the away stand before, and the players like ants. Yeah, yeah, very high. Okay, maybe trickier north or south. Oh, as a Londoner who now lives in Leeds, I'm going south. It's where the king lives. Oh, it's where your football team is as well, isn't it? Indeed, the mighty, the mighty Crystal Palace to give them their full name. Excellent, excellent. Uh, and last one, I'm going to hopefully get this right. Are you a sporadic rambler or a regular runner? A uh, sporadic rambler. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a regular runner. If, if, uh, if you could see, if I stood up, you could see my uh, beer slash wine belly. Uh, you know, right. I'm not a regular runner. <laughs> Nice, nice. But you also have a newsletter called Sporadic Ramblings, which uh, I, do, I, I do recommend. Indeed. I recommend people check out. So, um, thank you. I, available I must, reminds me. I must write a new one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Available at big, bigblackdoor.com. We, you indeed. said they're sporadic, so that's good. Yes, indeed. Yeah, I, I'm living. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm living the brand. Yeah, absolutely. Cool, cool. Well, thanks for that. So, into our into our questions. If, as we start, it's always sort of insightful to kind of learn how our kind of guests sort of started out before even before their career path could you tell us about your very very first paid job perhaps yeah well yeah I paper round I had um, yeah. but my first sort of proper job yeah. my first paid job was when I was at school sort of, I don't know, 15 16 and B&Q opened up like a superstore whatever they call them back then and all my mates 
we all applied. We went to the sort of open day for interviews, mm -hmm. and I got the dream ticket, which was the double pay on a Sunday. I got the Sunday gig, and they paid very well. I don't know what they're like now, but they paid very well. So, and it was like it was like just basically hanging out with my mates on a Sunday and being cute, mixing a bit of paint, cutting a bit of carpet. I, tills, I was good at the tills. Nice. So yeah, that was uh, that was my first job. Have you continued your DIY expertise? No, I'm terrible. I'm ter well, there's probably some people going back back in the well. I'm going to tell you what decade it was, but a long time ago. People now are going. That's why that was that duff advice. That, uh, that's why <laughs> my my light fittings have fallen down. Yeah, yeah. I'm terrible, terrible at DIY. You can do it if you're being cute. I think that was it. Was that the, oh, yeah, the time? There you go. Stuck in my mind. Okay, so from uh, yeah DIYing or not so DIYing to um to where you are now how, how did you get to where you are now and can you sort of walk us through some of those steps on the on the path to your career so yeah so i i i'd always had always have um an interest in advertising and marketing and when i was at university i actually interviewed for like account management roles i remember going to up in st james's square i think uh, interviewing at darcy massius benton and bowles mm. as an account um manager and I, it was terrible I, I was I was uh it was a very bad interview and as I was walking back to the lift they said you've done well to get this far and I knew at that point I wasn't coming back for another interview <laughs> um, but so I kept this sort of watching brief but um yeah. uh, then got a job when I left university at uh, Diageo um, in their customer service department okay uh, and then I saw that sort of sales and marketing were the where the fun was right and uh, mm. I I then went to sales at Diageo um left there eventually and uh, went and, and progressed through a number of sales roles i was sales director at heineken uh, when i was uh, when i was there and then moved across i used to volunteer for marketing projects i've kept this this interest mm -hmm. volunteered Any, anytime i needed a sales representative on a new piece a piece of mpd or something i'll, I'll stick my hand up for it uh, and then eventually was given an opportunity to move across into the marketing team when i I guess because I had a bit of credibility elsewhere. It would have been very hard for me to get across into a marketing team at a different company. Yeah. Because I had no experience. And they, they took a chance on me and I, I ran the John Smith brands. I was very lucky to uh, to do a set of ads with Peter K for, for John Smith. I led that. And when they, they gave me that job, they said, um, I guess, excuse my French here, but they said, not even you can find this up, Gareth. Because uh, <laughs> I had no experience. It, it was a proper brand that had been established for a long time. And it, it was the right it was the right place for me to um, Spurs. Then I progressed through a number of different marketing roles there. And yeah. Then went on to Arla, where I was uh, marketing director for Butter uh, at, at Arla in the UK. Uh, so Lurpak Anchor, private label, and then did a, a big um, uh, global role for the Arla brand. And then, as you said earlier, I was head of marketing at, at, at Weetabix. And then since July... 2022 mm -hmm. i jacked it all in and uh, sat on my own and, and the plan is to bring all that training experience to other food and drink brands when they need it so uh, they don't make rookie mistakes yeah yeah brilliant and and what was the kind of um decision about setting up a consultancy was it was a uh, was it to to kind of uh scratch an itch or to to sort of fill a fill a need or to to try something on your own what what, what was driving that all of that, right? Um, so, I, I, although I left, I left Weetabix in 2022. I set the company up in 2013. Right. So I'd always want, I'd wanted to do it for a long time. Okay. But I didn't have the the 
chops to do it at that point. I didn't have the financial safety net, to be honest, uh, either. So I saved and I put that safety net in and it got to a point where I thought, okay, I've got you know, a year or so's money in the bank. Yeah. If I earn nothing for a year, yeah. we're not losing a house. Yeah. And I haven't. So I've been all right. But I needed that it, because I've got family, I've got a relatively large mortgage, I've got all these things. I couldn't take, yeah. I just couldn't do it. I'm not uh, the, the ripe old age that I am. Yeah. yeah. Great. Has it, has it turned into, you know, what, what you expected? And is it, is it, is it, is it, is it, is it going to plan, I guess? Yeah, it's going to, definitely going to plan. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know what I was expecting. Perhaps, I think it is what I expected. I'm working on a great variety of projects with some yeah. incredible businesses, you know, businesses that I would have, couldn't have dreamt of. Yeah. You know, working with some cereal businesses, obviously, right? Uh, yeah. Or a cereal business, Spoon. Yeah. They're an incredible brand. But I've been lucky enough to work with White and Mackay, the whiskey business, uh, Penguin Random House, uh, Hall and Wood House, the, the yeah. brewer. Yeah. Some great, great brands um, that I'm very proud to have worked with. Yeah, fantastic. Fantastic. Well, you know, that's, um, you know, a, a big reason that I wanted to get you involved in, in the podcast, really. And it's, I think with, with every dimension, we are on a kind of mission to, to help those that need design and those that kind of do design communicate more effectively. And the, and the idea of that is so that we can both achieve more with better communication. I think you've said that previously. And much of the work that agencies like us do is, is briefed by marketing teams. So yeah, with your experience you know, in-house at brands and now consulting a, across many brands of different industries, I thought you'd be the perfect guest to kind of walk us through some sort of fundam some more of the fundamentals of marketing, you know, um, so that we can make sure that we kind of understand, you know, the, the marketing profession and where creativity and design fits in. And so hopefully we can be a bit more effective. So, so kind of on the, on that kind of, on that line, first question is, is, do you have a kind of go-to definition of, of marketing? So for me, it's about, working out how to grow a business yeah. and having that vision of where the opportunities lie and, and being able to say so to have that vision and then, and then plot the, plot the steps between uh, here and here and there. So, and, and for most FMCG businesses, it's, it boils down to one of three things, get more people, get them to buy more often or get them, or, or make more margin. Yeah, pay a bit more. Yeah. And, you know, since uh, Yaren Bogbass research, I think we can probably zero that down to more people. Yeah. So it's, you, know, you said earlier, one of my things is to try and make things as simple as possible. So you can go, you can do a lot worse in most FMCG marketing than say, okay, how are we going to get more people to buy a product tomorrow than bought it today? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I think, um, I think that, the ASA definition of marketing is sort of about delivering value to, to the end consumer, isn't it? The process of, of delivering value to the end consumer. So I guess, yeah, working out what the, what is valuable to consumer and then how businesses like yours or, or ours or, or our, our clients businesses can actually, yeah, deliver that value. Yeah. And this, you know, if it's a, you can't just say, hello, I've got this product. Yeah. You buy me. Yeah. You can try that. You won't be around for very long if, if that's going to be. So you have to. You have to, right, you have to understand. Yeah. To say it's as simple as getting more people to buy your products. 
you know, it's a gross oversimplification, and and to do to be able to achieve that takes a lot of experience yeah. and nous and and strategy and choice and decisions, all, all these things. Yeah, it's you know, it's easy to say, it's less easy to do. Yeah, yeah. Am I right in thinking that you you studied psychology initially? I did. I did. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Did. I chose that because it interested me. Yeah, uh, and uh, I, for no other reason, there wasn't there was no grand plan. Yeah, yeah. In that, uh, it's just uh, it's just a, a bunch of interesting stories about why people think. Yeah, but I guess you know when we think about marketing, so much of it is really getting into the head of our customer, isn't it? And you know, working out what they what they're going to value and how we can communicate that to them and so forth. So, mm. Great, cool. And do you have a or do you do you have a kind of go to kind of process for for effective marketing? Well. I have a three-step process. Everyone's got a three-step process, right? Yeah. Uh, our, our process at, at Big Black Door is about understanding. So, what's the what's the marketplace? What your what what's your what's your ambition? What where are the opportunities? So, uh, sort of market context and understanding. Yeah. The next stage is strategy. So, what it, what is it we need to do? Mm-hmm. We need to. Um, yeah, Grow in a certain way, grow in a certain area, grow in a certain market, whatever, whatever the strategy is. Yeah. And then the third stage is execute. Right. So, okay, how are we going to do that then? So, what is it? Is that through comms? Is it through NPD? Is it through distribution drive? Is it through a pricing strategy? Whatever it might be. But understand strategy and then execute would be, I think, a fairly well established model. Everyone's got lots of people have a very similar three step three-step process but that's uh, that's our one and it seems, yeah. seems to work yeah okay and so that's interesting to 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 think about that as a you know the, the role of a marketeer or you know the the, the 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 person that or people that might might need agency services eventually you know they've got three core functions that they're spending their time working on you know the, uh, understanding the opportunity diagnosing the the problem or so forth strategizing about you know what to do and then actually executing on those things so so at least two-thirds of the time you know the, 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 the a marketer's role is 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 away from the kind of executional side or the kind mm-hmm. of the creative side of, of of the work is that fair to say if uh, yeah on yeah, we're dealing in averages here. I should have a team, and actually, you might have one member of the team is 100% on execution. And how you're structuring it. The further, the, you know, the further up the food chain you get, the perhaps the further out you should be looking. Right, right. Uh, and then you've got you've got other people who should be doing the in-year in-year plan. But what, what I do, um, I run a session with agencies about helping them to understand what the life is like behind the client's curtain, behind the yeah. wizard's curtain. Yeah, and. This is again a gross oversimplification, but if you think about my last role at Weetabix, I would have fifty percent of my time is on department team business stuff. Yeah. So, so that, that straight away is only fifty percent of marketing time. Yeah. I've got I had I don't know five six brands in my portfolio. Yeah. I've got depending how you want to cut it out. I've got the four P's. Yeah. I've got probably two or three projects in each of those P's. Mm-hmm. You start to chunk down. I think on a, on average. I had something like 26 minutes per project a week. Yeah. Now, right. and, I, and there'll be some weeks I don't do it at all. So, you know, I, I appreciate that. And that's like I say, another gross oversimplification. Mm. But that puts into context why, you know, a missed deadline makes a big impact on me. Why mm. 
I'm not sitting there. It, it demonstrates I'm not sitting there waiting for your call as an agency. Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually, if you are in a creative industry, whether it's pack design or advertising or or shopper marketing, whatever it is, PR, you've got a chance to help me enjoy enjoy my job. I get into mm-hmm. it for those those moments. I don't get into the marketing to do all the admin and stuff in the background. I get into it for those exciting moments there. Yeah. So appreciate that and elevate yourself in in my mind to be then the go-to partner for me when that next project comes up yeah yeah and interesting that you you kind of um you reference kind of the scale of a business i guess you know businesses like weetabix or arla you know have a have a, a marketing teams and there's sort of head head of marketing and then people reporting into that function that are, are then sort of dividing up the tasks i guess equally or not equally, but also we've got, you know, smaller brands that have an individual that might be, you know, running the whole show and I guess having to kind of split their time. So I guess it's really important to understand, you know, the structure of the business you're dealing with and the kind of, yeah, if someone has a very specific role or is having to kind of spread themselves across across roles is really important. And and as as a marketeer, you have to dip your toe into many things. You'll get asked into a, a, a meeting about a production failure one minute and then you'd be going straight from that into a, a meeting about warehouse storage and then you go to another meeting straight away about uh, an advert or a, mm. a social media strategy so very very different things and so you can't be an expert in all those things but you're you're kind of being asked to have a brand view on on all of those all of those different things that's quite it's quite tough as a marketeer so as an as an agency yeah if you can recognize that and help them then you're again you're, you're ahead of the game already yeah yeah absolutely so just just to kind of to kind of give an idea of, of those those three phases is it is it's i mean this is again in your words an oversimplification but in the kind of first stage of kind of understanding the problem that's probably where you guys are spending a lot of time investing in research and and insight and kind of outwardly looking at kind of understanding the market and so forth the strategy phase i guess is then kind of processing that that kind of data and working out what problem you're trying to fix uh, or what uh, situation you're trying to improve and then i guess setting some sort of metric saying we want to you know, raise awareness or or drive consideration or, or preference or purchase by a certain factor, a certain percentage by a certain date. You know, some sort of solid mm. objective, and then the executional side is is perhaps where marketing tactics and the four P's start to play. Yes. Is, that, is that right? Correct. Exactly. Yeah. So, to give you, give you a, 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 an actual example, right? So, Weetabix prompted brand awareness ninety eight percent. Yeah. There's very few people, and I think 2% are lying. I think very few people who haven't heard of Weetabix. Yeah. Consideration, excellent. Most people will say, yeah, yeah, I love, yeah, I love Weetabix. That's, that's its beauty, right? It's, it's inoffensive. But, but penetration wasn't where it should have been for a brand of that size. And so, um, yes, that's a, that's a good understanding there. Uh, so we're looking at all, all these inputs. The strategy then is, well, actually, we're, not, we're getting outgunned in store by our bigger spending competitors. So Kellogg's, uh, cereal partners, etc. were outgunning us, so spe- just, just spending more of us. Yeah, and that's the, good luck to them. Good luck to them. Yeah. We weren't getting our visibility in store. Okay, so there you go. there's a strategy. Improve your visibility by X um, by this time. Yeah. Execute. Okay, well, how do we do that then? 
how do you convince the buyers, uh, the retailers, to give you more space? Well, you need world-class execution. Hmm. You need. I talked about a dirty, great big, dirty, great big hook when I um, when I presented this to retailers, uh, and that dirty, great big hook was we did a deal with all of the football teams: um, England, Wales, Scotland, Republic, and Northern Ireland, men's and women's teams. We're ahead of the curve there, and we put put the players on pack ahead of the Euros, the women's Euros, the men's World Cup, all, all these things, and that that unlocked like I think something like three hundred percent increase in in feature space yeah. and that turned around our penetration by one and a half I think percentage points in that summer in the men's year that, that men's year as we got to the semi, got to the final yeah. that's understand strategy and execute that's when it's all lined up beautifully and that's uh just for that one thing that was that was what from from first presentation from the FA to sign off was probably nine months and then another seven months to uh, to the euros yeah fantastic well thanks for that example and i think um it'll be useful for for us to understand you know at that strategy phase is that potentially when you start talking to creative partners potentially in delivering one or more of the four p's i guess at the strategy stage you, you think well what what tactics tactics are we going to we're going to use what budget have we got available what kind of partners can help us deliver and i guess at that point you kind of might you refer to the the agency partners and, and understand what their expertise might be and they say well we could deliver x you know in in that kind of tactic and then you feed that back into your strategy yeah so it's a it's a it's fluid right now i've yeah. described it as a beautifully linear thing it's not yeah. it's not linear like that at all yeah, yeah, yeah. but the there's lots of toing and froing, lots of of discussion my 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 um, personal style is to be very open and candid and and collaborative with all of my agency partners so i but yes they, they would all know the, the biggest ones i'd have at least a quarterly sort of just business catch-up i've got a phone to them every week or so but yeah a quarterly business catch-up how what's going on what's big for me and what's big for you yeah. And yeah, I want I want to know if if you're in a pitch situation and my main account director is, is now being called on to something else. Just tell me, it's fine. Yeah. Just, yeah. Let's be honest, be adult about it. Yeah. Um, but then you, you'll know also what's big for me, and I'll be I'll be saying, yeah, yeah I've got this thing about visibility in store in that in that example. Yeah. And then so you got them all percolating ideas, you've got them all thinking about it. But then the cycle at Weetabix, with mo with most largish. FMCG businesses, there's a sort of brand planning cycle you go yes. through. Yep. So there's a, this is, there's a, the understanding bit is me assimilating all this. I'm in, I'm creating a, a V1 of a brief. Yeah. And then I will be sharing that with the agency partners in an all agency sort of kickoff meeting. I'll, I'll be maybe doing it in store. I'll be trying to bring this whole thing to life a bit, a bit of theatre. It doesn't have to be expensive, just needs to bring the challenge to life. Yeah. Uh, in an engaging way, so everyone's seen the same piece of the same presentation, yeah. and they've got a chance to discuss it. And yeah. you build enough time in so that people go, "Yeah, that." I'm not sure you will do that and that, Gareth. I don't think you can. Mm, that's not. That's not quite right. But yeah. and then you come back with the hopefully the second and final iteration where it's it's now it's my document. It's in my contract with my agency partners. Yeah. That you know, that's now the brief we all understand the brief we all had a chance to challenge it 
you may not have got the decision your way, yeah. but we've we've all had a chance to contribute to that brief. And uh, and then the brief is the moment we move from strategy to execution. That's me saying, okay, here is the strategy. Now we all agree with that. Yes, we are. Right. Thank you very much. Now, Dave, I need a new pack designed for this because it's delivering against that strategy. And Jane, I need a new TV ad because we're losing relevance or whatever it might be. But everyone then is feeding their bits into that bigger picture, but they've all had a chance to see that bigger picture. Yeah, brilliant. Okay. Um, And when we talk about the the 4P tactics and the the 4Ps, just to to be clear on that, I mean, there's lots of debate about how many Ps there were, but I think most most experts say there's only four. Let's hang on to those. But, you know, first we need a product or a service to sell. You probably need a price at which to sell that and and a place to sell it from. And then last but not least, you need to promote that kind of, goods or, or service so so that's the kind of four p's we, we're talking about do you feel like there is a kind of that there is a an even split of activity across those those four p's does it tend to to be more of one than the other is it a timing thing how, how does that generally play out um i think i think that yeah, I, I i know that i default mainly to, to promotion right i get i get more excited about the advertising so I have to check myself. I create a, a step in that journey that means I have to check in the four Ps. So at that moment for strategy to execute at Weetabix and in my consultancy now, I'll map out, well, what are the four Ps? Yeah. What, what, what might the implications be for price? What might, you know, how are we looking on distribution? All those yeah. kind of things. So I, I, I factor that in, you know, and in that Weetabix example, you should show me a grocery store that hasn't got Weetabix, right? So distribution ain't the problem. Yeah. So you, you you're crossing a few of these things up um, as you as you go along. So yeah, and there is some like price, for example, where it's a, a marketeer needs to get their elbows out and and get into that conversation. And that's it's, it's tough because there are many other people in the business, especially in a larger business, who would say that price is in their domain. Mm-hmm. And it might be, it might be. You know, ultimately, a salesperson is probably the one negotiating the absolute price with the retailer, but you need to be, you need to have an opinion about whether it's a premium product you're selling or whether it's a, whether it's a commodity product, whether, you know, what the price relativities are versus you in the competition. You need to have a point of view yeah. on these things and you need to get some alignment with the business to say, well, yeah, you're right. This is, this is how we're going to position our products and on the pricing ladder. Yeah. to maximize our profit i come back to my definition of growth which is about you know, how how one grows the business yeah well some of that is through maximizing your margin yeah and, and what's so what's the optimum optimum mix of products at price points that will do that for you yeah so i'll give you an example of this at Ireland, we had cravendale at i think back in the day we had like, I don't know, probably an average price about 175 we had uh two liters you had a two liter standard fresh milk at around about a pound. So there's a big gap between a, a branded product and an unenabled product, which we, we supply. So we make money on all of them. Mm-hmm. We make more money on Cravendale. Yeah. Um, but I, I had this theory that there was this mid-ground that is some sort of bridge between the one pound, one pound 75 would be interesting. So and it was at a time when there was a lot of protests in store about how brands, uh, how, how farmers weren't getting a fair price for their milk. So I introduced a product called Farmer's Milk, Isla Farmer's Milk, which was just standard fresh milk, but with a different label on it, same bottle, different label. It said, we're charging you more 
because that money is going directly to the farmers. So it's 25p a bottle more. Mm. Our farmers are getting 25p a bottle more. That and Farla is a farmer owned cooperative. So that's basically, we could say we, we want to make 25 pence a bottle more profit because that money is going straight back to our farmers. Yeah. That, that um, farmer's milk became a 10 million pound brand in 18, 18 months because there was that, there was a, a gap, there was a pricing hierarchy we could, we could establish there. And that, that is, doesn't make sense when you, when you're sort of rationalizing, you go, well, why would someone pay more just because we're saying, but it's true. People buy into brands for a number of different reasons. Yeah. And that's, you know, that, that was very lucrative for our farmer owners. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. I think you said earlier, as we started out, you know, we grow brands by getting more customers who buy it more often and then hopefully who we can win more money from or more margin from and we can premiumize the offer for. So yeah, I think when, when we look at offering creative services against all those, you know, more customers is, is, you know, telling the story, building the brand awareness, you know, driving kind of penetration through, you know, a good communication and obviously having products that fit more often might be, you know, a, a design challenge, working out kind of a, a occasions that, you know, you can deliver against to, to, um, to, to deliver. And then price, yeah, premium, premiumization. How do we make the, the, the offer more valuable to the, to the customer and, and then communicating that value either through, promotion stuff or, or building that into the product so great great stuff great stuff and i guess um we often have a conversation about sort of creativity and, and and design you know i think um lots of there are lots of creative agencies in the in the in the in the in the sort of marketing world potentially delivering promotional advertising kind of work do you feel in your mind when you're building tactics you think that this is a kind of creative execution and then and then there's another kind of pot which is a sort of a design process do you, do you see a difference between those and, and um does that influence your kind of selection of partners so forth um so it's uh, so creative i was watching um i was watching cbbc last night with uh, with my son and there's a quote which I wrote down because uh, I thought it was relevant for, for this conversation. And it said that Einstein apparently said that creativity is intelligence having fun. Sourced there is CBBC, so I I'm not entirely certain that's correct, but that's what they said. Yeah. And so, which is very different to the execution, yeah. right? So the, the idea of this is a, it's a higher level, um, it's, a, it's an idea. Yeah. Uh, and for me, the, the biggest difference between creative and design is that I would perhaps change a question slightly if I may and, and say I think there's a big difference between the creative idea and the execution yeah and that for me was a game changer when I understood that 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 changed everything for me as a marketeer mm -hmm. so this idea that I don't know Specsavers let's take Specsavers as, as an example and I, I'm I'm I've never worked on Specsavers, right? So I'm making up the creative idea. But I think the big idea behind Imagine their TV advertising, and they're out of door and, and many many things. They, they, I think they used to sponsor the referees of uh, football. It, the big idea is, is something along the lines of when you can't see properly, you make silly mistakes. Hmm. Or you know, when you can't see properly, you should go to the optician and get your eyes checked. That's, you know, it's fairly boring. Uh, it's, it's true, right? Yeah. But then the way they execute that 
is with an upside down on 48 sheet or they they demonstrate someone making a mistake and so in a a funny way but they could also execute that by saying yeah you need to go to when you make make sure you can see properly otherwise you can't drive that'd be very boring it'd still be executing the same creative idea yes in a in a less engaging less entertaining way so for me that's the that's the difference and you could be design would fit into that design should be um delivering against the creative idea what the big idea is yeah uh, and so should in store and so should you know pack design and tv advertising and tone of voice on social media everything should be should be consistent with what with your your big idea and that that's how you get to effective cut through efficient work yeah Great. That's a nice way of seeing it. Yeah, the, the, the creative idea is, is sort of consistent, but then the design could be quite different. And you, you might be lucky and get, you know, partners that the design execution is spot on. But you might be unlucky mm. and get design partners where the, the design execution is, is different. And I guess that's, yeah, where you start to where you start to select your partners, where they've got, you know, track record of, of, of great execution. The, the spec savers, as, a, as an example, the so think of some of the ads that they, they did one, They've got one which is a vet operating on a hat. They got one with uh, like a um, there was one with uh, like an aerobics instructor turning up at old people's home. Yeah. The, when you in my mind's eye, when I'm remembering them, they f- they feel very similar. Yeah. But they're not. They're very different. They're visually very different. Yeah. But because they're integrated to this big idea, there's a, there's a strategic consistency there. Yeah. With and then you've got a consistent end frame and, and should have gone to Spectator's end line. Yeah, yeah. Which is which is different from the idea, by the way, right? So you've got yeah. the idea, the execution in the, in the end line, these are all different yeah. things. Yeah. But that strategic consistency is enough to make us to, to, to build those memory structures and to make that brand front of mind. Yeah, brilliant. I think I think if my memory's right, I, I saw um Specsavers Specsavers team speak at Madfest last yeah. year and i think they have an internal agency don't they delivering yes they do, yeah. so obviously they've learned the kind of the strategy and just really really honing it and honing the execution which is cool mm. and then kind of i guess my last question in, in this kind of section is is thoughts on how marketed marketing effectiveness is assessed is, is that is that an easy thing to answer is it just about the bottom line or is there another another way um how's market well I mean, ultimately, it's in sales. Yeah. Right? I think the, the the marketing effective is is the most effective marketing is, is stuff that drives sales. So that's the ultimate arbiter of whether your marketing is working. But but you know, if you if you've read the, the long and the short of it, that that could take you quite some time to 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 get those sales, depending on the on the cycle of your of your category. Yeah. But there are then therefore precursors to that. So. Awareness, uh, return on investment, market mix modeling or econometrics, engagement, all, all these different levels of quality of data are precursors to effectiveness. But ultimately, for me, in the businesses I've been lucky enough to work in, the, uh, the, the number one decision as whether your ad has been effective or not is did it drive sales? Can I attribute X sales? to your advertising rather than just a lovely uptick in the market. Yeah, yeah, great. Cool. Well, thanks for that.
Next, I would like to ask our sort of our kind of general question that we like to come to on the, on this podcast is that, you know, at, at Path, we design better experiences and expressions to grow brands when tomorrow's challenges and opportunities come in every dimension. So w when we think about your kind of your kind of role or, or our kind of conversation about, you know, investing in and delivering design for marketeers, what do you think the kind of big opportunity, what are the big challenges and perhaps the big opportunities for, for that task right now? Well, to get back to some of the questions that we had earlier on, you've got either very busy yep. or inexperienced marketeers. Right. And that, how, you, how an agency, any agency can separate themselves from the majority of others is to understand that and to have a deep understanding of the business and the person. The, per the human being that sits behind that job title, are they experienced? Are they worried about their, their job in the future? Are they feeling under threat? Are they looking for fame? Are they looking for promotion? All, all these things come together to enable you to, to diagnose the, the brief that was never written down, the appetite for risk, all these kind of things. That will give you, you know, that gives you a, a, a half a chance of selling in the right piece of, the right piece of work for for that business at that time and that in so understanding that helping them get to this a watertight brief that is collaborative that is simple that has that has clarity in the brief which has come from making decisions in the brief that the, the brief is not the time for smart clever wording the, the brief is a time for absolute pinpoint clarity yeah. And I also talk about the, I've spoken about sort of the, the, the difference between the idea and the execution. If you can understand that and help your clients to understand that, then that will also educate most of them. And it will also help you get better feedback to, to then get even better work. So if you could diagnose whether it's the idea that's the problem or the execution that's the problem, uh, then that would be helpful for most most agencies presenting work to clients so for example if you know, some agencies have done this with me in the past most haven't but if they present this is the big idea this is what we're trying to achieve with this piece of work stop what do we, before you before we show you the script or the pack design or anything else what do we think of that idea is that unbrief is that we okay, yes you are okay great and there are there are some structures that you can use to help you evaluate that but uh once you've agreed that that's the right, the right, the right idea, yeah, okay, right, now's the execution. Are we now dramatizing that idea? Are we now bringing that to life? Are we executing that, that idea? And then that's a, you know, a much easier conversation. It's a much more helpful conversation to have with the agency than to say, well, the idea was great, but I'm not sure you didn't, you, you wanted to, you wanted to bring this thing to life, but that, that didn't bring that to life. And yeah. that, that's, um, you're then not saying whether you like it or not, you're saying whether it's delivered on the brief. So the logic flow right the way from the big business objective all the way through to that shelf barker, there's a logic flow that flow that, and, and you have to work out where that chain is broken if it's not working. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that seems to be one of your, one of the services or IP at Big Black Door is, you know, that understanding of how to write a good brief and how to communicate that brief from both sides is, you know, is a, is a big, big part of your service. And uh, I'm sure, you know, people, people should check that out in terms of, yeah, understanding that better. So thanks a lot, 
Gareth. And finally, on to our kind of closing questions, if I may. Um, our kind of go-to killer question for the podcast is about how we demand more from design. So if you could demand designers deliver you the solution to any problem, anything is possible. You could solve any problem. What problem might you choose to solve? It's maybe not a problem because the businesses are doing all right. But I think they're doing all right despite some terrible UX. And I, I think Amazon's got awful user experience. When you're on that website, data they've got, the, the things they serve you, brilliant. It looks like, if you think about it, the, the, the website and the app feels like a throwback to the 1980s. It's, it's awful. You're right. I want to see the reviews. I've got to scroll down like five flipping pages of things to go and buy the reviews. Yeah. And it's just, I, I, it came to mind yesterday when I was, I was setting up for my own business. I was setting up the, the Metapixel in, uh, in Meta's business manager. And that's got equally as awful UX as, uh, as Amazon. And that's what, what made it spring to mind. I was joking with uh, the person who was holding my hand through this. I was thinking, well, Meta, I, I could not have done that without someone helping me. And I'm, I should be target market for them to, to be promoting my business. And so why is it so flipping difficult? Amazing. Good point, actually. Yeah. As soon as you said that, I thought, yeah, you're right, actually. It's terrible. And you think back to those those days pre-Google when we had all these search engines that we were just coping with, and then Google came along. Now the yeah. UX, and maybe that's the opportunity. Maybe there is a new Amazon, Gareth. Yeah. With a yeah. better UX. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'll leave that one to you. <laughs> you'll be in a you'll be in your rocket ship to the moon in no time with that idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all right. Brilliant. Okay. And then uh what is the best piece of advice you've received or what's the kind of motto or mantra that you might live by? Well, I've talked about it a lot already today, but you know, marketing related, it would be separate the idea from the execution. Yeah. It yeah, I I'm I'm not exaggerating to say that that's a game changer and it I use that thing that idea every day of my marketing life. And that before I knew that, to my eternal shame, I can still picture where I was sitting. Uh, I was looking at a John Smith's in, in pub, on trade poster, promoting a dance night. And someone put this in front of me and said, just sign off, Gareth. It's my, like my first week of the job. He signed this off, Gareth. And I looked at it, I thought, oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. But I went, yeah, okay, that'll do. Because I didn't have, I didn't have a bit of an actor. I didn't have a structure to, to offer any feedback other, other than I don't like it. Right. And that's not going to be helpful for anyone. Mm -hmm. Right. So I went, yeah, okay. But then I went on this course and, and that was about separating the idea from the execution. And I went, okay, I, I now understand why I didn't like that. So that was, uh, that's, that would be my number one piece of advice. So, so the, your response would have been, okay, the idea is good, but the execution's off or vice versa kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. again, now, now trying uh, halfway through I, that sentence, I thought you were going to ask me what, which is which. And I, I think it was the execution because it was just, there was so many messages on that thing. It was so busy, that poster. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it, John, it was for John Smith's and it, John Smith's is a brand that stands for no nonsense. Yeah. That was a nonsense poster. Yeah. So there, there you go. It wasn't on brand. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Great. And very last question, Gareth. Are you reading, watching, listening any, to anything that you'd recommend for our listeners? Apart, apart from my newsletter, obviously. Um, yes, yes, well, sporadic my, ramblings. Check it out. Well, thank you. Um, 
my go-to book, I'm not reading it right now, and I'm, I'm not in my home office, but when I am in my home office, within arm's reach is a, always is a book called How Not to Plan by Sarah Carter and Les Binet. Okay. It's, it's a brilliant, brilliant book. If anyone doesn't know it, it's, it's a series of one or two page essays about big marketing conundrums, price challenges, um, target audiences, segmentation, that, that, everything. And when I'm thinking about, when I've, when I've got a big challenge, when I've got something, that, a new project that comes in in my consultancy, I will, I get that little sick feeling first, always. Say, oh, I don't know how to do it. I, they found me out. I'm rubbish. I don't know what to do anymore. And then I just reach for the book and I flick to the back, back pages and there's a massive, a beautiful index there and it, there'll be some inspiration in there. Guarantee there'll be inspiration in there. You read those things, you go, oh, no, I've done that. Oh, yeah, no, I did that. Yeah, I did. And it suddenly, it suddenly calmed me down. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's a brilliant book, really well read, well written and easy to read. Right. Good recommendation. We'll uh, we'll find a link to that and stick it in the notes. So um, brilliant, Gareth. Well, well our, our time is up, I'm afraid. That's um, been a whistle-stop tour of the fundamentals <laughs> of marketing. But it's been great to you know talk to you and get some of that, get us some of that information on record. Um, really appreciate your time. No, anytime. Thank you. Thank you, Gareth. You have been listening to Every Dimension, brought to you by Path. Join in the conversation on LinkedIn using the hashtag EveryDimension or on Instagram at WeArePath. For more information on how we design brands better in every dimension, please visit wearepath.com forward slash EveryDimension. Here you'll find all our other podcasts and 20 years of experience helping brands diagnose opportunities and challenges then designing identity experience and innovation to deliver on them this podcast is created and produced by path if you have enjoyed this podcast why not leave us a review on spotify or itunes thank you